Welcome to We're Talking Bears, where we bring you the latest in the Chicago Bears experience. I'm uncle, nephew, and I'm son. And we're talking bears. Welcome to We're Talking Bears. Welcome back. It's 2024 and stuff is happening. Hey, we really appreciate you guys out there. We appreciate uh, uh, all the likes and all the subscriptions and everything that you guys are doing. Thank you, fans of our show. Please continue to support us, like, subscribe, give us comments, talk to us. We'll holler back at you. Hey, something just happened. A lot just happened. Our world is changing and it's changing fast. And I feel like the whole offseason is going to be like this, uh, where there's going to be constant surprises and changes. It's good to see and hear that in Hallis Hall, there's a lot of thought going on and there's uh, a patient impatience to steal uh, uh, one of Kevin Warren's sentences. Uh, so they're moving quickly, but not too quickly. What do you guys think about uh, all the changes that just happened? in Hallis Hall. I mean, uh, there was one big change that I think everyone is happy about universally. Um, I, I can't remember what the guy's name was, but there used to be a guy who was coaching uh, and he's really bad. And uh, now he's not coaching anymore for the Bears. So hopefully we'll replace him with somebody better. Um, actually, no, real, real, realistically, there were a lot of, uh, basically our whole offensive staff got canned, um, which is crazy to do all at once, but I think it just needed to happen. It wasn't working. Um, and I think that was the biggest issue. Um, Blues, he's still here. Um, what that means we can kind of get into, cause that's, that's a, that's a big question right now is, is what would, what, what are the bears looking to accomplish this off season? What direction are they going to go? Obviously the Caleb versus fields debate is raging on everywhere. Um, so we'll see what happens. Well, I'm I'm looking. I'm saying we we got rid of the OC Luke Getze, the quarterbacks coach Andrew Janoko, wide receivers coach uh, Tyke Tolbert, and the running back coach Omar Young, um, the assistant tight ends coach Tim Zetz. Um, was there a tight ends coach that didn't get fired? That's a lot of guys that 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 got canned, and I don't see the name of the tight ends coach. So what name um, isn't on there as well? The O line coach Chris Morgan uh, is going to be staying which that's an interesting decision that is a very very odd and interesting decision um yeah yeah um for several reasons uh i think the first reason being that when you hire a new coach then that kind of determines what your scheme is going to be um like unless they're like i oh, will hold him unless the offensive line you know the oc that comes in doesn't want him and then you bring in a new guy and he's like, well, I've got my own guy. And then you replace him then, which that's entirely possible. But if not, then you're kind of telling them like, oh, hey, we're only running a wide zone and that's what we do. And we're not changing the offense. And uh, is that a Floose decision? Is that a Poles decision? Is that a Kevin Warren decision? And and what does that mean? That's those are the interesting questions. There. Well, I, I would I would think right off the bat, it means that that you're staying put at left tackle, you're staying put uh, at left guard, you're staying put at right guard, and you're staying put at right tackle, that you're just adding a center. Um, because you're not going to – if you, if you're changing your left tackle and, you know, maybe you're, you know, changing Nate Davis, 
um, then you might change your offensive line screen because you have to change the center too. So if I'm changing three out of five, I can change my system. <clears throat> um, if I'm staying put with four out of five, I'm not changing my system. And well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so in the presser uh, that just happened, Paul's um, spoke really highly of Braxton Jones. Um, so that does lend some credence to the idea that we're not moving off of Jones. Um, obviously, we're moving off of Lucas Patrick or whoever the starting center was by the end of the year. Probably um, Cody White here too. Yeah, no, Cody. Cody is definitely going to be a cap casualty. I think going into this offseason. I can't call that um, a cap casualty if you're an eleven million dollar backup that doesn't do that great. It's I just mean, a, yeah, yeah. If, a, if, it just, if it were a case of him making three million a year, I think he'd probably be back. Um, sure, sure. Leave him, leave him there least. in case somebody gets injured. But, but I can't pay million. you eleven million dollars to be a backup. Yeah, yeah, you're that's cap casualty for sure. <clears throat> I mean, his performance wasn't there on the field either. So, whatever, Cody's Cody's that's, probably that's what I'm saying. Um, it's, it's a performance question. If he was if he was doing great, he'd have been out there and he'd have been our starting center. Yeah, but I mean, credit to Cody. He he was our most consistent lineman through some really rough times, and and he kind of weathered some really stormy seas when it came to the Bears and uh, our on field performance. So credit where it's due. Um, you know, my hat's off to Cody for all the battles he 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 had for us, but it's going to be rough. Um, trying to trying to make that work for next year. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Unless he wants to restructure his deal, where he's just accepts that he's a backup at this phase in his career, and he takes backup money. Yeah, I mean that's the, that's what I mean by it's going to be rough trying to. Yeah. You know. yeah. So um, you know what you you gotta you know the body wears down, and you gotta you gotta just accept it. Yeah, I mean, same same thing for uh, Kyle Long. Man, he played at a really high level until the injury started to pile up. Um, I want to say, maybe rookie year, or second year, <laughs> he put a post up on Twitter or something that said, "Like, man, I wish the injuries had mounted up so I could be out there blocking for Justin right now or something like that." It oh was, wow, it was crazy. So, but yeah, so it's, you know, same thing kind of happened. Um, that's the offensive line, man. It's a, it's a war in there. So, uh, Cody, that's a battle, be- man. They they. You got big guys slamming into you and little guys chopping your legs out. Yeah. So um, as far as the O-line coach, the the other interesting piece of that is when you call a play in the huddle, when you're, when you're, you know, communicating to your guys, the first thing you start with in almost every offense is your protection call. That's the root of every play call. Right. And that's also the hardest part to adjust to when your offense is, either getting uh, changed, you know, unexpectedly, or you're updating pieces of it or whatever, the hardest part to adjust to is like, okay, where do the offensive linemen go? Where are they supposed to go? Who needs to cover who? Who? How do you pick up blitzes? Those pieces are, we're looking to keep the same. And the question being, if that's the case, are, does, that, does that indicate at all that we're trying to keep Justin? Uh, you know what? That That's a, that there's, Poles is playing poker right now um, because he won't say that he's he, he's not giving any hints as to whether he's keeping or releasing Justin. I, I think that's a hint in and of itself. That's, yeah, but that's you could point. also, you know, you could keep the offensive line coach because you could say there has been serious growth in the performance of the individual members of that group. Mm-hmm. Tevin Jenkins has grown, although speaking of Tev, Tev had his worst game against the pack, but he came right on on Twitter and apologized to the fans. I respect, you know, and nobody's perfect. Everybody's going to have a bad day. 
I respect he owned that. So, yeah. you know, aside from that, he's been our best offensive lineman every every week that he's been out there. Um, Darnell Wright's growing. Braxton has grown leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's, he's gone from, oh, my God, help, to um, – to is this guy the future left tackle of the Bears organization? Honestly, think, he's gone from oh my god, help to oh my god, help Darnell on the other side. I've got this. Like it's it's actually pretty impressive. I think he only gave up one or two sacks all year long, um, which is really impressive. He gave up a lot of pressures though. He he, he, yeah, he, had, I mean, he doesn't. He does against the elite guy. Paul's even talked about it. Uh, Braxton can. And I agree with him. Brasty can handle most of the pass rushers in the league. All Paul's was talking about right in this sentence. But Brax can handle most of the pass rushers in the league. There's a few guys that give him a hard time. Yeah, but, I mean, he's spent one year at this point in an NFL strength and conditioning program. He's, what, 23 years old or something like that. Uh, let the kid, He ain't even got his grown man strength. Let the kid grow. Let the kid grow. He's he's doing great. If he keeps his balance and footwork, and he keeps adding lower body strength, and core stability, and like he will continue to get better. Um, does he, that? He's twenty five. Don't he's, he's twenty five. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Nineteen ninety nine. Well, point being, he that doesn't mean he's twenty five yet. He's twenty four until his birthday comes up. He's twenty five. March twenty seventh. He'll be twenty five okay. when he walks on the field. Okay, cool. Now the question being, does that mean you don't? move up to a guy with like really really absurdly elite traits like joe alt who joe alt is a guy who's six foot eight 300 and moves like braxton does um maybe not quite as much like slide speed lateral agility to the to to wash all the way out to somebody doesn't have to have that because he's so darn big and strong so does that mean like does braxton's growth mean you don't need to, to upgrade or don't want to upgrade or don't, you know, like what do we what do we think about whether that's a good investment for the team, especially considering the the rate that injuries happen along the whole line. What what do you think, Sos? Um I don't know, man. I, I, I like um as as y'all said a lot as far as the presser, um I liked a lot of things they were talking about. I liked a lot of the changes that are being made. Um a lot of it we spoke about all season long. Um, I'm a little bit confused, though, to be honest, as far as the the fans and the organization, because to me it seems like um, keeping Justin is is the is the right thing. Even even if their thought was, you know, let's think quarterback in the future. Um, I don't think that anybody can uh, make a make a case that just plugging in Caleb is gonna is gonna change our change our future. So um, as far as what they're talking about. Um, uh, the 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 president. Um, it, it, it there's a lot going on, and uh, a lot of his talk sounds good to me. You get what I'm saying? A lot of the things he's saying sound good to me. Hopefully, um, they deliver on that. I know polls had talked about um us working on the trenches, building the trenches when he first got here. That's one of the things that I don't necessarily see that's happening for us. But hopefully, they 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 figure it out. Um, I agree with everything you guys are speaking on as far as our line. I feel like um we need a center. I feel like it looks as if our core is is what it's gonna be. Um, of course, I feel like there's room to upgrade and hopefully, you know, they all they keep that in mind, which, again, is what the president was speaking about. I'm always looking to upgrade and always looking to bring in the, the, the right people. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I'm, my biggest concern right now and the biggest thing that's confusing me is 
where is the the question about justin right i mean typically you can say i mean i think at least in my opinion you can usually upgrade any position or any player as time goes on eventually even for the best players eventually they'll get older you get what i'm saying someone will uh, succeed them um but typically let's just say i have the uh, middle of the pack quarterback he's not the best he's not the worst he's middle of the pack I can probably draft a quarterback next year who potentially could be better, but it's like, how long do you do that before you say, let's create a team? You get what I'm saying? So, so I'm hoping that that's what the bears organization is looking at um, as far as that goes. And I think it's interesting. This is off subject. Um, and I don't know how true it is, but there has been some speculation of Caleb Williams, not even wanting to play in Chicago. And, they, and now if that's true, I think it's an interesting thing because there's a lot of Chicago fans, or let me just say Chicago people that believe that Caleb Williams can be the difference maker on the team. And it's interesting that he doesn't see that. <laughs> it's like, no, I don't want to be there because I don't like what the organization is doing. And if that is uh, something that has been said, then I think that's something that we've been speaking about, right? That that speaks to uh, the coaches being gone now. That speaks to a lot of those things. And I think I feel like that's what we've been saying. So it looks like they're on they're on page. Um, looks like they're potentially on the same page with a lot of things we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah I would, I, I would I, just I, holler into that that you know, and Paul's talks a lot about. Um, he almost makes it sound like it's a 50-50 uh, decision process where he's looking at the film and the tape and where they're, they're uh, interviewing and looking at the man. When you look at the Carter decision, they interviewed that guy so many times. They had to be sitting down going, did he say that? You know, did, is this? And, and digging in, the phenomenal talent on film, but as a man, is he going to be the guy? And... You know, if you got a guy talking about, I don't even want to be in your city, he's off the list. Fast. I don't know that he said that. In fact, I, I that's that's not necessarily exactly what he said, but there's been speculation, completely unconfirmed uh, thus right. far, rumors right. that he wants allegedly a potential ownership stake in whatever team drafts him, and that's absurd. As a rookie not quarterback, you have legal to do as. Uh, like as part of the CBA. So I I mean I yeah, there's there's definitely, you know, definitely questions when it comes to what he's what he's after, what he's looking for, like to prove something before you start. I'm sorry. Are are we talking about Michael Jordan after he won six championships once an ownership stake? Yeah, are we talking about Patrick Mahomes wants an ownership stake for his next contract? You know what I mean? Like I right. Right. And, and hey, said, that's 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 all alleged. That's all hearsay. So we don't know right. what not hearsay is uh, according to everything I've seen as of 10 o'clock Saturday morning, uh, he has until Monday to declare for the NFL draft. And if he has not done so, then he will <coughs> be a part of it. Right. So um, that's that's not hearsay. That's fact. Right, um, right. That's a fluid He situation. might have submitted his paperwork, and the league won't confirm it unless he outwardly states it. Um, so he might be part of it and just hasn't said nothing, but it, why? Right. Why are you why are you playing that game? So uh, there's a lot of questions that I have about him as a person, um, especially coming to the city of Chicago. You know, Chicago don't play no BS. I don't want my quarterback to be a pessimist. If that is what he said, I don't want anybody like that. You already are sure you won't want to be here. You won't be successful <laughs> here. And I wouldn't want somebody like that coming into my locker room, to be honest. I mean, even if it's not about me personally as a player, I don't want you telling me that you don't want to be a part of the organization that I'm a part of. Like, come on. Yeah, man. and we and we passed on two phenomenal talents based on character concerns. Uh, different 
things, obviously, to what Caleb is kind of going through, but character concerns nonetheless, where Jalen Carter last year, we could have took at number one, and then we could have took again at number nine when he fell. Uh, and then uh, George Pickens, the first year, who I really, really, really wanted us to pick. We had desperate wide receiver need. He was sitting right there, and we took Jaquan Brisker instead. Um, and, and that has turned out to be a good decision. Pickens obviously is very talented, but his character sh- concerns have shown up. And how would he yeah. have sat through our losing streak? Uh, honestly, he might have helped change that. He might have helped us not lose as much. But uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, th- this was a rebuilding roster. And well, one well, player either way is not going to make all the difference in the world. As DJ Moore showed, DJ made a lot of difference. And DJ Moore is much better of a receiver than George Pickens. Yeah, but, for sure. Uh, you know, it's it's just um, – and like when you look at guys, it, we've we've skipped over because Ryan Poles looked at him and said, "This ain't the right guy for this locker room we're building." And yeah, uh, when you when you look at it, when you look at it, and you see one, the Steelers are a very very strong organization, and if Pickens is having a hard time fitting in there, they've been able to to keep some guys that were nuts, yes, on point for years <laughs> before they blew up, right? Like I'm thinking Brown, you know. And somebody who only lasted uh what ten games with us, Chase Claypool. Right. Yeah, they've they've been able to keep some guys that are that are way out there locked in for for time. So this is a really bad sign. The the second thing when you look at it, um, you know, it just you know when it, when you keep I keep hearing those sentences from polls, and I think back to a, a quote from a pastor that I really like. He said, uh, uh, "Trials." are a test of your faith, what you believe, and when when prosperity is a test of your character. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we rise and as things get better, um, these guys' character is going to get tested. You know, and that's just, it happens. We know, especially here in Chicago, there's so much going on. The media's, you know, cameras in your face all the time. Um, the, if they think they've been tested through you know, being uh, a booed and all of that stuff, wait till they start winning. Mm-hmm. You know, then you really get tested. Mm-hmm. So um, I think polls is, I think the guys are doing, I like everything Kevin Warren's saying. I like what polls is saying. Um, you know, if they feel like they should give Eberflus another season, I can't take away from the fact that he turned the defense around and he didn't lose the locker room. And he was, we were able to finish five and three, um, which uh, we, you know, Five and that, that's half the wins we have. Um, I, I like what Kevin Warren was talking about back when he was with uh St. Louis through their Super Bowl and how tough the two years before the Super Bowl victory were. Um, and it's, it's just you know, I, I think these guys know what it looks like when you got winners. You know, that's one of the things that Warren said about polls. He said, Hey, this guy's been around some of the best players in the NFL. He knows what it looks like. He knows how they practice. He knows what, you know, what's going on with their families. You know, so those things count, man. When it when you rise to that level, if you got a hot mess burning, you know, you, you see, you, you can, you know, you look over some of these teams that have been able to overcome this foolishness, but you've got, you know, you think back to the Patriots and, you know, but one of the guys ended up in life in prison, you know. Uh, that was a little bit different. That dude was missing like half his brain mass. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not arguing. I'm just saying you don't want to bring that guy into a locker room where you don't have 
Tom Brady in a winning tradition, right? Because yeah. yeah. he's just, you're going to blow up your locker room. Yeah. So I, I like what Poles is doing. I like what Kevin Warren's doing. Um, if they're trusting Flutes to go out and do it again, um, they're blowing up the offensive coaching staff because the offense, let's face it, was the problem We uh, by the end of the year. The, the defense grew leaps and bounds, and the offense continued to struggle. Mm-hmm. And I feel like by firing the offensive coaching staff, you're making a sentence that it wasn't the players. Right. Yeah. Right? No, I, I fully agree. And the crazy thing is all the all the exit interviews with the players to the media kind of agree. Um, <clears throat> even early in the year when, when the team was struggling really bad, they asked the players questions about flus. And the answers were really positive. The answers were all like, yeah, we trust him. We believe in him. He holds us accountable. He's our leader. Yada, yada. Like, they, they really trusted Flus. And then we started to get the talent in. Um, he took over calling plays. We brought in Phil Snow to, to assist with the fronts. And um, suddenly the results were there. Like, results were there. The switch. Uh, yes, against more mediocre competition. But... I mean, you don't choose the people you play. Like he did beat up. We beat up on Jared Goff. I think he threw five or six picks in eight quarters playing us. So that was probably the best quarterback we faced. Um, Joe Flacco probably second, um, and he tore us a new one in the fourth quarter. But uh, I mean, for the most part, I mean, what you expect of a, a young rebuilding team? It was first in the league in takeaways. Uh, we were first in the league in run defense. We were really highly ranked across the board. And that, that's kind of what we expected to see from Flus when he came from Indiana, uh, where he had that kind of defense as a defensive coordinator every year. It was it was always top 10. So um, when we when we started to see those results, it was like, OK, well, the, the players, what they're saying is getting validated. Right. Was right. Whereas, what man, first game of the season, I was like, what is this game plan? Then uh, we had in the in the Tampa Bay game. Um, I want to say it was Devin White, the middle linebacker of the Buccaneers, is talking to DJ Morrow, and he's mic'd up. And he we hear Devin White saying to DJ, yeah, they're not using you right. And DJ says something like, oh, who are you telling? Um, <laughs> uh, then right, the, next game, the next game, they asked Claypool that question in the locker room. That was uh, right before the Chiefs game. They asked Claypool, like, oh, is, are they using you right in the offense? You have, like, two catches or three catches or something like that. And he was like, no. Right. So that's two of the receivers that already were like, well, like right. we don't have faith in this offense. And then they asked Justin, what's going on with you? You look like you're thinking a lot, not really playing. And he was like coaching. Right. And then they made Justin apologize and walk that statement back and get that guy. Right. The world blew Getsy. Right. And kept Getsy. And then we still saw those struggles continue. Like they got better to an extent. But like when stuff was working in like Denver, when we were doing those deep attacks and, 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 sits in the middle of the field and, and working all these layers of the field. We didn't consistently do that. We didn't consistently do that against even slightly better defenses, right? We got, we turtled up against teams like uh, 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 Minnesota, right? So, you know, obviously Green Bay. game where we had the, the, the <laughs> speed hit to the fullback as the first play of the game or something like that, right? So questions are, and then at the end of the game or the end of the season for the exit interviews, you got DJ Moore blasting the coaching, you know, after the Green Bay game, he said, uh, I want to say he said, yeah, well, we got the players to make explosive plays down the field. We got the quarterback to do it. Uh, you just got to call the right plays. I think, I, think, I think he said, are, are we going to be a running team? Or are we going to make explosive plays? Yeah, yeah. He said we got we got the receivers to do it. We got the quarterback to do it. You just got to call the plays. So uh, then on the, um, 
the Amara St. Brown, the St. Brown Brothers podcast with Equinemius and Amara sitting there talking. And Amara's like, yeah, y'all got Darnell Mooney. Y'all don't use him. Like, I don't understand. I think Mooney is cold. And it, first of all, we agree. Uh, and then and, and he's like, he's like, why don't y'all use him right? Like, y'all don't never call plays to him. Y'all don't never throw passes to him. And then they were both, him and DJ were both like, you talking to the wrong two people. So, so if that's, if that's the, but you know what I, I do like players at the end of the year, like they didn't have faith in Getsy. It's not well, just, yeah, but like, I, oh, and you know, know what I do like, I do like, and maybe it's everyone saw it. Everyone. Right. Right. And I do like this one. I like that the organization responded and responded quickly. They interviewed everybody over a 48 hour period and they're like, y'all all out. <laughs> so I like that. The second thing I like is I like that the players kept their cool. Yeah. I mean, you, you're talking about they, they acted like men, right? You know, they're not out here. We've seen players that just get out in the middle of the press and start acting a fool. If anybody had done that during the season, I don't think we end the season with the five and three run. No. I think no. I think it would have been they stuck together through this, and I think there's going to be a huge value in that in our future. You know, um, I also think everybody knows – how much the city and those players are behind JF. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I'm not saying they wouldn't do it because everybody knows it is a business. But if you move JF, you better have the answer. Right. That's you, it. You, you better not move him and be like, oops, Bryce Young shouldn't have been the number one overall. It right. was. You you can't make See, that mistake. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You, you and I can't make, make that mistake. You can't no. make the you and grab Bryce Young and it was CJ Stroud. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't. And everybody in the when you listen to these pressers, these guys are like, Well, what about CJ Stroud? What about CJ Stroud? And I love the way Paul's just Why wasn't first I'm not talking about other people's uh thing. How'd you miss CJ Sproud? <clears throat> how did you how did every doggone person on the planet miss CJ Stroud? The Panthers didn't give us all that stuff for CJ Stroud. Right. He gave us all that stuff for Bryce Young, and everybody right. else was after Bryce Young. Right. The only people that saw C.J. Stroud were the Texans. the Texans. That's why they didn't trade up. Right? They didn't move. They're like, yeah. y'all go ahead, get Bryce. Right? We good. Mm-hmm. That was it. Well, it's crazy, and I, I was thinking that too because it was a lot of um. We got that first pick because of that game they won at the end of the season, and there was a lot of talk about Lovey helping his former team, but he helped them too. <laughs> he helped them. He he did. In the end, he it was did. a phenomenal play. Phenomenal. Like, phenomenal. Lovey. For one year, you thought, this guy's a bum. He just helped his his old team. But in the end, he helped both. He teams. did Houston the biggest favor that anybody's – and yeah. and make, let's not even say Houston knew. Let's say Lovey, Lovey might have been the only guy on the planet that knew – C.J. Stroud was the man. Mm-hmm. And I always have wondered that. I was like, man, I wonder if the Texans would have picked him at number one. Probably not. I didn't Probably hear that conversation out of many people. You get what I'm saying? Just, just C.J. Stroud that, going over Bryce Young. Just off of that last game against the Colts, they both Houston and Chicago need to build up your statue. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, Ryan's need to D'Amico Ryan's need yeah. to drop Lovey a million dollar suitcase off. He like, do. Well, no, no, not not D'Amico. Who's their who's their owner? O'Brien, whatever his name is. Well, yeah, D'Amico, to too. D'Amico's probably getting coach of the year because of what he was able to do, and I don't think he does that with Bryce Young. I oh, think they would have been good, but they wouldn't be in the playoffs. I just don't think D'Amico need to come out of his own wallet for that. I think that uh-uh. need to come. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. All right, so D'Amico should throw 100, and the owner should throw 900 yeah. in the brick. There you go. There you go. Oh. That's that's fair. 
So but they need to hook they need to hook Lovey up because without him getting did. that two point conversion, they end up with Bryce Young. Man, it was crazy. That sequence was crazy because everybody talks about the last, like the fourth, the fourth and whatever twenty Hail Mary or whatever. But nobody crazy. remembers that that drive started with a fourth and nineteen. <laughs> so I don't remember that. He got the fourth and nineteen, and then drove down the field, and then got the fourth and twenty touchdown, and then got the extra point. It was it was an insane. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was but, and check this out. Think about Probably this. Zero percent happening. Like just, just just go with this craziness for one minute. So if Lovey doesn't do that, they don't win. They get Bryce Young. DJ Moore stays in Carolina, and they get CJ Stroud. God, well, it's no. a different here's world. The here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. Maybe we don't trade down with Carolina in that case because they wouldn't be offering DJ Moore. Oh, we wouldn't. We that's what I'm saying. DJ Moore. Maybe we trade down with somebody else. But yeah, yeah, but we, we wouldn't have got Carolina, DJ Moore. Doesn't mean they get CJ. They might have just stayed in quarterback hell, and DJ might yeah, have just. Yeah, that, that's true too. Here, here's a, one of the things mm-hmm. I love about one of Poles' responses when they were trying to hit him up. Well, why didn't you see, you know, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you grab CJ, all the yada, yada? And he's just like, look, I think that this was a, a, a great deal for us because we got DJ Moore, we got Darnell Wright, and was it uh, uh, Stevenson? Tyreek Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Stevenson. We got those three guys plus this year's number one and next year's number two. Yeah. Like, this is a phenomenal deal for our team. Yeah, and he's, well, he's telling the Bryce. truth. You can have he's telling the problem. truth. Everybody we got from that trade is right now balling, balling, balling. Right. You could, and you got you know the quality of DJ Moore, and then someone <laughs> else was talking about hitting on the fact that you got two superstars as trades on offense and defense. Yeah. You know, it's like that doesn't happen in a season where you pull in. And- a defensive superstar and an offensive superstar. And what's crazy is we needed that infusion of talent because Chicago has gone so long without first-round picks. Like, we obviously, the Khalil Mack trade in 2018, the Justin Fields trade. So we've had, what, four first-round picks, three or four first-round picks that we didn't get the to. Mitch Trubisky trade? Yeah, and then, and then the, you know, well, that was third-round picks, I think, we gave right. them. Um, but point being is we had a lot of – and then we missed on a few guys, and then we traded away Roquan. So there was a, right. there was a dearth of talent on our roster due to that. And we picked up two former first round guys for less than what they were worth. Right. Which well, one was free. Phenomenal. One was free. One and, was free. And the other one, and the other one was, uh, and we got him for a second, for a second round pick. So, uh, I, I think that was, I think that was phenomenal value. And it was, it was something that lifted very noticeably both sides of the ball. Lifted yeah. Them. yeah. You got, you got two first round picks, two former first round picks, who are playing like they belonged as first round picks. Oh yeah. And you got both of them for the price of basically one second round. Yeah. Because one was they, free. And they were both sure things too, which is the best part because the draft the draft is at best 50 50, right? Yeah. Um yeah. you got four draft picks. The first round is 50 50. If you're really good, you'll hit on three. You know, like that's just how it is. So in the first round. The first yeah. round is 50 50. Don't yeah, don't exactly. start talking about the seventh round. So I mean, if, Brock you're really a miracle. First round, if you're really good in the first round, you can do a little better than that. Uh, yeah. But I think overall, just across the whole draft, you're probably looking at maybe 40, 60, 50, 50, somewhere around that. So the point being, getting all those assets, especially assets at the top of the draft, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we trade back. I would. You know what? If he can do it again and he can find the right trade partner, we, I mean, there's, there's no way 
that that one guy last year was going to be worth DJ Moore, Darnell Wright, Tyreek Stevenson to us. Mm-hmm. It's just not mm-hmm. is because DJ Moore top of his game career year. He's got more ceiling. We haven't seen the ceiling yet. Right. You know, Tyreek, we haven't seen the ceiling yet. And man, is he coming on strong? Yeah. And Darnell Wright, Ooh. haven't seen the ceiling yet. Coming on strong. Yeah. So I mean, man, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of. Uh, I mean, obviously, this year's top pick. If it's Marvin Harrison Jr., think about that. If we got DJ Moore, Marvin Harrison Jr., Darnell Wright, Tyreek Stevenson, and then whoever we pick in the second round next year for Lovey Smith going for it on fourth a couple times, man. <laughs> and, and for all for Bryce Young. I'll put it in my list. All for Bryce Young. That's all we got. Young. We got all that now, for Bryce now imagine, Young. Now imagine what you get for Caleb, a guy who, I mean, yeah, they were calling Bryce generational last year too. They were just like, oh, he's short. But if he wasn't short, he would be Patrick Mahomes. Right now they got Caleb Williams, who's an inch and a half taller, and they're like, "Oh, he's Patrick Mahomes." So, who starts these rumors, man? Who starts these rumors? Because I'm starting to feel like when these guys, they they always say that this guy's gonna be the next so and so. He's a generational talent. Who starts these rumors, man? I'm starting to think that these scouts are all weathermen in their in their actual full time job. (laughs) Because how do y'all be wrong so much, but you still run back to these people like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna get it right today." He was been wrong. You're usually wrong. So I'm. That's kind of what I've never really understood. Like, I get it. We can watch film and we can say, okay, he looks like a great player, but that's college. It's just like if I see somebody who's Zion Williamson in high school, it's like, that's high school. You know what I mean? You're a great player in the NBA, but you're not like you were in high school. And so for me, the confidence that they, I was just talking to one of my guys uh, yesterday about this. And I was like, I'm always thrown off by how come none of those other guys who I feel like the certainty is more so there sometimes, right? Like if you tell me, um, I don't know what where Aaron Donald or these superstars in the league. Why are they? Why can't they be the number one pick? When you know it, you're taking a chance either way. Sometimes I feel like, all right, look, he might not be able to pass, call plays, quarterback being the most important position. I can understand how you could get that wrong a little bit more than some of the other positions. But it's like you guys whiff on those guys. You get what I'm saying? I want to see. I guess what I'm saying is I want to see the team that builds the team and it's like, oh, now all we need is a quarterback. Like we're great. And we're just missing. You get what I'm saying? Because these no, guys are picking the wrong quarterback over and over and over and over and over. Like, what is that about? And that's a good point. Because now Brock Purdy can step right in on a good team, being the last pick, and he has a chance to do something. And when you see I something mean, like that, it's hard for me to understand how you can be so gung-ho to pick a quarterback who might let you down like your last two, three, four quarterbacks let you down. Yeah. Right. And, and you look, again, when you look at Purdy, you look at a guy – Here's a guy who, as a rookie, threw for 4,280 yards, 31 touchdowns, 11 picks. What are you talking about? Purdy's rookie year was last year. I'm sorry. You're right. His As a second year. Seven games as a rookie. I was about to say, I didn't know he did that as a rookie. My bad, my bad. Second year guy. You're right. You're right. He came on. He's just (laughs) bottom line. You you look at. He's He's young, though. He's young. He's destroyed the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he kind of just did what he was told to do, right? And this is what. But isn't that your job? Well, yeah, yeah. This is what people don't understand <laughs> about quarterback, right? When you're playing quarterback, you get sent out there. The offensive coach calls a play, and then people think like the quarterback. Once the offensive coach calls the play, the quarterback goes in there, and the quarterback sits down. You know, gets in the huddle, looks at the defense, and then he turns into like a human calculator that looks and says, "Okay, this DB is sitting on inside leverage." We've got an out route over here. Speed out. That's my first read. If he sits on that, then what's behind? Right. Cool. But you have to be told that by the coach 
before you can go out and do that. Like the coach has to set you up and be like, okay, if this guy does this, do that. If this guy does that, do that. And then you have your progression to go through where you've got one guy that you're reading. And if a coach is, if a coach knows what he's doing with a young quarterback, especially, he's not asking you to read seven guys on this team. He's not even asking you most of the time to set the protection and 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 adjust the line. The center does that for young quarterbacks. In Philadelphia, Tra- Jason Kelsey will literally tell Jalen Hurts to shut up, and he'll right. call the protection. Right? Olin Cruz used were, to do that. Olin Cruz Olin used, to, used to, to say shut for, up. Right for young <laughs> quarterbacks, they, you have to simplify because what the defensive coordinators are trying to do is confuse these young quarterbacks. Is to is to give them one indication like okay tell the db play inside leverage but then sit on that lower route and if he tries to go over the top the safety is going to be in a little hook fade and 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 then bam there's a pick right so so when you so when you have these young quarterbacks that are succeeding it's because the offensive coach is simple is is, knows what he's doing knows how to set people up knows how to put them in conflict and knows the decision that he's forcing these defenders to make and then he can tell the coach then he can tell the quarterback if you see the corner do this, then I can guarantee you that's what's going to be open. And what happens when you see quarterbacks hesitate, especially when Justin Fields is hesitating a lot, and you go back and look at the film, and things are kind of muddy, and you don't really see things the same way he does from the all-22 view is different from when you're behind the quarterback in a little live game view. What happens is, Gessie or whoever the offensive coordinator will tell the, tell this young QB, he'll be like, okay, well, if you see this lineup, you're going to be looking at this side of the formation. You're going to hike it. You're going to be looking there. And then this guy's going to be open based on what you see. And then when that doesn't happen, the quarterback's like, uh, that was a lie. You know what I mean? Like, you <laughs> 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 trust. Right, right. Or, or, or you know, like you said, the, the that guy you're picking the offensive coordinator. Rip it. Like, you got to know what you're talking about as a coach. To, to set these young, because these young quarterbacks aren't coming out here making full field reads. Patrick Mahomes was on the shop, I want to say, like two years ago, a year ago, something like that. And he's sitting there talking to the people in the shop. Uh, and he's like, he's like, yeah, I didn't know how to read defenses until I was like 26, 27. He was like, I was just out there. Coach Reed would tell me like, oh, yeah, you go there. This is this is the guy you're focused on. This is your read for this play. And he would go out there. He would read one guy, two guys, whatever leverage they were playing. He would throw it. That was it. That was all he did. He was like, oh, this is the greatest quarterback since Mahomes. He couldn't read defenses. But they expect 23-year-old kids, 22-year-old kids straight out of college to be able to do it. Oh, he was in a pro-style system. He'll be able to read the – no. No, he won't. He won't. But None on the other side, I mean, we have seen that quarterback. Unfortunately, he stole one of our Super Bowl from us who could do it. That was Peyton Manning who could stand there as a matter of fact. No, no. Peyton Manning couldn't do it when he was 22? I don't okay. I'm not gonna argue when he when he figured it out, but you do know what happened with Tony Dungy. The first year Tony Dungy came in and set the offense, changed it, and their offense sucked. And Tony Dungy literally said, I'm turning the offense back over to Peyton Manning. Basically, Peyton Manning was the OC. Yeah, yeah, but and, he, and that that's rare. But like, but he was OC. like 24-25 at the time, right? One of the most cerebral quarterbacks that's ever played the game. For Hall sure. Game level cerebral quarterback play you're not getting that out of caleb williams no you're not getting that out of justin fields you're not getting no. that out of lamar jackson you're no. not getting that out of even joe burrow right like there's like you can see when uh joe burrow's backup walked in and threw for 300 yards in his first game as like a four-year journeyman third string backup who'd never touched the field 
and started coming in and winning games and putting up stat lines that were a little, little bit Joe Burrow-esque. Like, it was clear he doesn't have the, the talent that Burrow has in terms of his – his like deep accuracy and his 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 quick decisions and, and but when it came to executing the offense he knew what he was supposed to do he knew what the coach was telling him to do and the coach was right speaking That's of backups the- speaking of backups let me bring up backups for a second uh Caleb Williams backup came in for UCLA's bowl game and had the best game ever for a UCLA quarterback now what does that tell you is it the system and is it the rest of the team or is it just Caleb? It's it's parts it's parts of the whole. Uh, I, I agree. I agree. It is that in that bowl game, there was a lot of freshmen playing on both sides of the field. There were a lot of guys that sat out the bowl game for draft concerns, things like that. So it wasn't like they were in a one-to-one. But at the same time, at but the at same the same time, time best he came game ever. executed the system as well or better than Caleb. And, and, and then the you combine works. that. Combine that, what people aren't looking at. I'm not taking anything away from Caleb, but you can't forget about the Notre Dame game. So no, when you look at look at what this team did without him, they didn't miss him. You know, the best thing that could have happened for his, in my opinion, for his draft capital, if if he steps off the field and they score one touchdown, they can't do nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they went off without him being yeah. there. It, and, it, and that's worse. not that doesn't say that doesn't say like, oh, you know, he he's the the, the the god incarnate. The the second thing is you got to look at the games like the the Notre Dame game. Yeah. Where and, and what, was, what was crazy was uh, after that USC game in a bowl game, one of the some camera caught a receiver or a, like a USC guy we're running team. on the field going, "Now we're a team again. We're a team again. No more diva shit. We're a team again." Something like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? That's concerning. I mean, he might have been talking about. Coaches leaving or whatever, but it doesn't sound good when your quarterback lives in a LA penthouse and is paid millions and millions of dollars through NIL, and then after that happens, then your guys are like, "We're a team again, no more deep." Hey, bottom line, and and that's why Poles is going to do his due diligence. He's going to interview these guys and he's going to find out. Look, can you handle going through the trials we've been through? Right, because yeah. the if media will eat him up, man. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't think he would survive the media. Imagine us doing badly and him being. I don't think he would have Justin's Justin's uh, poise with the media. Man, Justin's Justin, got poise. Imagine the locker room. Right, right. Imagine the locker room. If you're doing diva stuff, if you think you're a quarterback god and you're not, then what happens? I just saw. What I just saw Willie Beeman. It was, and you know what? That's a good point. I was just watching um the It Is What It Is podcast with Cameron and Mace, and they had Sebastian Telfair on there. Now, this is off our subject, but to bring this up, he was talking about how his his hype and the level he was because he graduated high school when I did, right, just behind LeBron James. I remember the hype that this guy had, and he was talking about how when he got to the teams, him being Stephon Marbury's cousin and all the hype that he had, and money he was already getting. He said he got there, he would come to the uh come to the new team with all his jewelry, all his cars. He said the teammate team didn't like him. He said he didn't like him. They didn't really like all that flashy. Like he's like some of the veterans on the team looking like, oh, you driving the car I drive. You, you know what I'm saying? Who do you think you are? Type of an attitude. And and I think just to touch on what you said, I think that that means a lot, especially when you're going to a new place with professional guys. You're you're gonna be the number one pick. So already you're gonna come in with a little bit of status to yourself, and you want to look down on these other guys. I don't think that bodes well. So I, I completely think that that's something to pay attention to. How would the team receive uh, Caleb? 
Yeah, no, yep. it, it's definitely it's definitely a concern, and it's definitely I would say polls really lit that up uh, during the press conference too. He he sat there. He goes, uh, uh, you know, it's not just about what he does on the field. It's about the man behind it. It's about the character. It's about who you are as a person. And I think that plays a huge role in being a quarterback in this league and in this city. So when he says something like that, come on now, you can't. And, and he can't said, he that. said it. Chicago's a tough town. It's like yeah. you got to be tough to be the coach, the quarterback, the yeah. GM, or the you I know. It's just like, you saw what happened to Krause's right. wife last night. It's oh crazy. It's what crazy. happened? No, that's terrible. They booed her. They, they booed. booed they booed wife. Jerry Krause posthumously. They were trying to uh, honor the team, the championship teams, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But it was her that was there representing him. Yeah. yeah. So she got booed, really. It was. Yeah, it was that, that's wrong. That's it wrong. It was, we it was go dirty. too far. It was dirty. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's, well, that's what I'm saying. Get ready for that because that's how it goes. Like That is Chicago, but that's that's going too far, man. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I 100% agree. The Bulls fans need to apologize. They need to, like, come with a giant picture that, of that's, Oh, well, I don't think they'll get that, man. I mean, this is the nature of the industry that you're in. Um, I went to children's um, school performances and watched the children get booed off the stage. When you perform, when you're in that position, and it, it sounds bad and it's unfortunate that he's not here anymore and that this was yeah. a But let's think about it. At the end of the day, if you don't have the support of the people, you don't have that support. Hey, as long as it's not Brooks getting booed off the stage. So as long as it's not Brooks getting booed I wasn't booing the kids. I'm just saying you can't come out here with freedom of speech and think that other people are going to stop talking because of how you feel about it. That's not how it goes. That's not how it goes. If people don't like you, they're going to let you know they don't like you. And when you go stand on the TV, that's the perfect time for them to let you know they don't like you. Yeah, hey, yeah. That's part of the nature of the entertainment, the sports. That's part of that. So, yeah. so here, back to, back to this. Who, anybody, is there anybody, any of you guys prefer for an offensive coordinator? Uh, so I haven't thought about it to be honest with you. I haven't I haven't gone through the list of names and um I've seen a few people that we've been looking at, but I haven't really sat back and looked at all the options. So what we what we what we've brought in so far um that I'm aware of is Shane Waldron, the OC for the uh Seahawks, Greg Olson, not the Greg Olson right. that was a tight end for us, but Greg Olson, the quarterback coach for the Seahawks, um Clint Kubiak, who's the son of uh, the the father of the of the wide zone offense as a whole, uh, and uh, he was the he was the passing game coordinator for the 49ers, and uh, Liam Cohen, who was the OC for Kentucky, and he was the Rams offensive coordinator last year. So um, those are the four names that I'm aware of at this point, and uh, it's interesting that those are the four names that we've. Uh, that we brought in because remember what I said about the offensive line coach right how that means like you're keeping that consistent because that's the offense you're running and that's the the, the root of every play call is your offensive line call right so sure. you know, so all four of those guys run the same kind of McVeigh Shanahan wide zone scheme all four of them and that to me suggests that we're not changing our as much community yet. We're, we're trying to keep as much continuity as possible. We're not trying to make whoever it is, whether it's DJ or uh, the offensive line or Cole or whatever, we're trying to keep that intact. We know what we want to run as a team. We weren't happy with the guy running. Well, think that, about it like this we were seven and 10. We were seven and 10. We had DJ Moore at one of the best years at wide receiver ever in Chicago. We, we still were a top running team in the NFL. And, uh, uh, you know, we got Justin, who's just a freak athlete, a quarterback. And 
uh, we had a great season, uh, uh, one of our best tight end seasons uh, by Komet. Uh, and, you know, the, across the board, and, and we were 7 and 10. I mean, we, were, we, weren't, we weren't out of it. You know, mm-hmm. Komet had a career year, 719 yards. Um, that, that's his best year ever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, bottom line, there were a lot of good things that occurred. We just, we just didn't get over the hump. And there's there's a lot more there's a lot more better <laughs> remember more better blues there's a lot mm-hmm. more better that's sitting there that some of it is low hanging fruit because some of those some of the plays were stupid you know the triple screens you know uh, uh, which are back against the wall to give up a touchdown the, the the times when you would have three guys running hooks right next to each other or yeah. two or whatever you know some of this stuff is this is low hanging fruit this is well you know those plays. There may be some, hey, that DJ Moore play, that was low-hanging fruit because that was Getsy's best play all year, the DJ Moore touchdown run. Yeah, he had other, said, other people copying it. I think I think Kansas City yeah. ran it. I want to say Buffalo ran it. Dallas ran it. A that was a fantastic play. And, and you know what? But we didn't do anything with it. That's low-hanging fruit. You come up with a fantastic play, there's five or ten plays right there that are yep. – unstoppable phenomenal plays and it's like it's like use justin with as a your decoy. talent use you justin as a decoy more. Moore, one of the most dynamic guys justin as a and decoy justin four or five times in that scenario one of those times you can give him the ball and then he can throw it hey you got and, and you got a two-man game this is scotty pippen and michael jordan stuff you got two of the most dynamic offensive players in the nfl in a two-man game where they're both going to touch the ball yeah. within a second after the hike you're making this that's tough decision making for a defense mm-hmm. that whole defense mm-hmm. is like all right which DJ way, I mean, <laughs> man, <laughs> look. i'm yeah. open the season with that bad boy next year <laughs> yeah, yeah no I, honestly there should be a whole package based on plays like that plays that that get our guys into creative positions like they, there were so many things that i we could talk all day about the things guess he didn't do as a right. OC. the guys that yes, were being in the guys that were bringing in, honestly, I really like the list. Uh, Clint Kubiak being the son of uh, Gary Kubiak, I want to say, who's uh, Super Bowl the father winner. of this. Oh. Yeah, Super Bowl winner, the father of this entire scheme of offense, right? His his and, and his and his. So I hear he's not just got his job off of his name. I I hear he actually is doing some really creative things. The last time an OC left uh, uh, an offensive coach left uh um the 49ers it was Shane or not Shane what am I trying to say uh buddy on the Texans the Texans OC this year um Texans I, are pretty good <laughs> yeah so he he turned out to be pretty good he's got CJ Stroud looking like a stud the last time before that it was Mike McDaniel who went to Miami he's got Miami looking right Miami looks yeah. pretty good <laughs> oh yeah so he wasn't the OC this year he was the passing game coordinator because you have to promote up a level in order to pull a team to pull a guy who's under contract with another team. So we could promote from passing him coordinator to OC, but still at the same time, that's been a fruitful tree to pluck from the last few years. Then on top of that, you've got Shane Waldron, who was, uh, I want to say, uh, Sean McVay's offensive coordinator in Los Angeles as well. Uh, Sean McVay is one of the best coaches in the league. Um, and he runs the same kind of system. Uh, Shane was rated, I want to say, top 10 for play calling this past year. Uh, subjective metrics. I, honestly, I'd have to really look at a lot of Seahawks tape to see what I think about him. 
but I like the way he uses DK Metcalf. I like the way he uses Tyler Lockett. I like the deep shots he takes. I like the way he uses Kenneth Walker, the running back. Uh, he, he mixes in Zach Charbonnet, who's a totally different style of running back. He's able to get a lot out of each different type of player, which I'm really, I'm really impressed with on his end. Uh, so there's definitely some good options there. Who I want? I mean, Waldron, I think, is the only one that has experience calling plays. Um, which that's probably a big deal. Um, yeah, you got you got to be able to call the plays. That, yeah, that's you. He calls his own plays. So Cohen, the guy from Kentucky, would not have been. And the Rams' offense wasn't good last year. I don't think it's because of him. Um, but at the same time, it, I, that that gives me Getsy vibes. I'm not sure I want to mess with that. The um, and then uh, who else? Kubiak coming from the 49ers. If he's really that good, give him the job. You know what I mean? Uh, hey, it, the other thing is. With Kubiak coming from the 49ers, I mean, literally, their concept is, is very much run first, but they have an explosive pass game. Oh, yeah. um, you know, just you could literally slide in. We've got great, great, great uh, talent. Um, we, I think we need to, you know, we, we need to grow at running back again, you know. Um, but nonetheless, yeah. we yeah. still can run the rock. Yeah, but it's but it's all on Justin, man. If we had, that's another thing I want to talk about is 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 what we're gonna do in the backfield. I think we should sign Derrick Henry if he comes free from the Titans. <laughs> I think we should make a run at Derrick Henry. He's he's been the most age proof running back I've seen in a while. I think he could come in here and do kind of a Frank Gore thing where he has a whole second career because he 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 was like third in the league in rushing this year. After coming off last year, he had like a foot injury and then almost ran for a thousand yards in ten games. And then this next year, he comes off. He has 1,300 yards and multiple TDs. If you had Derrick Henry in the backfield and Justin Fields in the backfield, what do you do? As a defense, what do you do? Do you do you think I'm not going to bite on Derrick Henry running this read option? I'm going to let Derrick Henry get even with me before I try to go tackle him. Do you do well, that? Here's the other thing. You got you a try guy. To, you try to play six, absolutely not. Between him and no. Justin Fields? No. No, you don't. No, you six, don't. 6'3". 247 and can run like the wind and can catch out of the backfield. I would love to see us make Could a run you away. imagine a team with Derrick Henry, Dar uh, 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 DJ Moore, Cole Komet, and Justin Fields? And and, and then throw Marvin Harrison. MHJ, I'm about saying, don't well, let throw him. Marvin Harrison. Harrison. <laughs> throw Marvin <laughs> <gonna> be wicked. <laughs> throw That'd Marvin be an embarrassment of riches, man. Yeah, wow, that would be crazy to have on the Bears, wouldn't it? A really talented offense? Wow. Right. <laughs> and with the defense ascending? Yeah, come on! It might give be us, eighty-five a, all over again. Give us MHJ. Give us the give us the top center in the draft. Give us a give us a decent edge in free agency. Give us Derrick Henry in free agency, and I then want, and see what this offense can do. Because give me a rookie, can, give me a rookie edge too. Even if we want to run this offense with like a you know say oh let's be conservative. We got Roshan Johnson. We got Khalil Herbert under contract for one more year. That's plenty of that's plenty of running backs to run your to run your offense. You put a stud in there like Derrick Henry who can really, really threaten the defense, like really make a guy think not twice, but three or four times before he sticks yeah. his neck in a hole. That creates a lot of opportunities in your run game. And that yeah. takes the load off of Justin, where Justin is not like, okay, I have to be the running game and I have to be the passing game. Forget all that. Forget all that. Let Justin run when he runs. But when Justin runs, the defense should be like, oh, crap, I forgot about him. Right. Not like right. we got to go into the game knowing let's shut down him running. You gotta, right. you gotta give them somebody else to be like, we gotta shut him down running. And right. then Justin's running will be devastating. 
know what I'm saying? Like devastating. But if you if they go in with that as the primary focus, that's what they're game planning for. They see all the quarterback uh, uh, powers out to the edge. They see all the read options in their film. But if they got to do film study and be like, all right, well, they're deploying Derrick Henry on uh, some sweep motions and he's getting ahead of steam before he hits a cornerback in the face. Yeah, they're going to be focused on that in film study when they're looking at the run game. So um, it, it's just it's just, you know, get us somebody. I'm, Derrick Henry doesn't really, he's not really a scheme fit per se for this offense. But so what? So what? Sometimes you just got to you just got to go with the guy who's the guy. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just got to get a get a dude who will absolutely blow your face off regardless of what offense he's in and, and and get him in there and run some power. So right now, Henry is available. I mean, he's, he's, he's a free agent. Yeah. So, uh, um, they let him go. I don't understand how, but did they let him go? Let him go. They're done. They let him go. They, let him go. they wanted to go in a new direction was something they said. So Derek, well, I, mean, I, I would love to the backfield with Justin. That would be nuts. That would be nuts. Man. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. They just—they said he's wow. like he's like time proof. The dude is like twenty nine, and he's, he's still playing like he's like twenty two. Like he's so big that his body is like taking longer to wear out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. he's, he, just, he's up January fourth, so he's thirty already. Yeah, but sure. I'm not. I mean, if we gave if he would sign, I'd do it. Yeah, <laughs> but what is he gonna cost? If we got the money. It's not a money issue. He's running back. You mean 12, 13 million? Call it a day. Keep him moving. Well, he's been getting his last year, he made 16 million. Yeah, but he's 30. Yeah, well, but he's Derrick Henry. Yeah. So give him give him 13 over three. That's cheap enough. Oh, uh, he's not gonna do 13 over three. No, I'm you saying might... 13, 13 each for three. Oh, so oh. Three you might be able to get him for 10 million a year. You might be able to get him for 10 million a year. 30 over three and, and call it a day and keep him moving. Guarantee the first two. And, and see what you, see what your offense can do with a with a stallion in the backfield, man. That yeah, you can just yeah. hand it to and be like, yeah, that's six. Right, right. That and, if, and, and that, you know, what if we had that other than Justin? Imagine how Tab would feel. Imagine how Tab would feel pancaking somebody and watching Henry come through and pancaking. Well, imagine, the imagine them trying to rush the passer, right? Through through a guy bigger than them. You know what I'm saying? There's defensive right. ends in the league smaller than Derrick Henry. True. True. What you what you doing? You blowing through his chest in order to get to the quarterback? No. Right, right. Him and Justin in the backfield look the same socks. Right. Well, yeah, Justin's <laughs> a little Henry's smaller a little than Derek. Henry's just a little bit, you know, a little bit more. Henry a little more. Henry got 15 pounds on Justin. That's not that much. It's not that much. Justin's a big boy. Zero inches and 15 pounds on a guy. That's not a huge size. That's a you, big backfield. fighting in the same weight class in the UFC. That's like y'all fight each other, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're both super heavyweights. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so imagine being a linebacker and being like, "Damn, we got the Bears this week." <laughs> right, right. You know That's saying? gonna be like, punishing. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then, and then when you put in a guy like the little Herbert, who's got a little lightning in his blood, then suddenly that's way more effective. And I bet Khalil looks that rejuvenates Khalil's career. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, here. Awful he has some really good games, but he was not consistent in the way the demo was because he doesn't have the power between right. the tackles the demo did. Right. He doesn't have that hit you and then just drive you. He can run over a guy, especially a DB. Absolutely, he's got enough juice, but he's not like hitting a D tackle and still getting three yards. Right, right. He's not carrying linebacker. I remember that play where Demo had two linebackers on his back and just and he's just still going, still, still going. going. Yeah. And, so and, yeah, Derrick Henry's that dude, man. If we can, 
we'd be stupid not to grab Derek. If we grab Derrick Henry, our a, offense goes to another level. Here's the second option. There's a running back in the draft named Braylon Allen, who is 6'1", 245. And he is widely considered the best running back in the draft. He is fast, too. Dude, take a look at some, some Braylon Allen. I don't know if we'll be able to get him and the best center in the draft. I would rank center as a higher need, but if we get a center in free agency, get a veteran guy who can come in here who plays at a high level, there's a couple guys available, I think, this year uh, in free agency. That looks different. How far do you think different. Allen's going to fall? Braylon Allen, second round, top of the second maybe. So if we trade back with, with one of our first-round picks, then so we, 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 we trade back a little bit. Uh, get MHJ. Yeah, well, I, I gotta have a center. I'd rather just give Derek. You can, get a, center, you can get a center in free agency though. If you get um, man, what's the guy's name? I forget. There's a, there's a guy coming free that I, I really like. I think we should have made a run last year at a center. Um, I think Garrett Bradbury was available. I want to say Connor, what's his name? Connor Williams, something like that. Um, a couple of guys that came free last year that we just I don't know why we didn't sign him, but whatever. That's that wasn't the game we played. So um. Hopefully we can do that because those guys all went to new teams and all did well. I think Garrett Bradbury stayed in, in Minnesota, but did well. So a veteran center is is a guarantee. You know what I'm saying? Like, we know this guy can play at an NFL level. He doesn't have to learn. He can come in. He sits down. He knows call outs. He knows what the defense is trying to do. He's seen it before. He knows how to deal with strength. He knows how to deal with speed. He knows how to pass off a stunt. Put him in, plug him in, and you've got a leader on your line. If you got a guy, if you can, if a guy like that is available, I would love to have that. I think that's a that's a better option than drafting a rookie. Right? I, I'm gonna argue with you. I'm gonna argue with you. We've done a great job of drafting rookie linemen and building them and making them better and better and yes, better. They have to learn. It takes time. Darnell Wright was not garbage, but man, he was not the same way he was toward the end of the year at the beginning. Braxton Jones was not the same way he was to the end of his rookie but, year. But that's, look, that's why I said I'd rather if we – but it's the future of the team. One, price-wise, it's the future of the team. So, so draft the guy in the late rounds and let him learn. But that's what we never do is we never have a veteran teaching a young guy who's eventually going to be better than him. Yeah. So yeah, draft the young guy. I, I'll take a rookie center and, and Derrick Henry. <laughs> They're going to be I, I would take, I would. I would take either a rookie center and Derrick Henry or a veteran center and Braylon Allen. Either one, either I'm one works. Really happy with in the backfield because both yeah. of those guys are absolute hammers, absolutely. Right. And we don't have that in the backfield anymore. Like we just yeah. don't. If we had, if we got Derrick Henry, man, that that mm-hmm. dude. Hey, we we got all we got. Wait, we hold the cards right now. So we'll yeah, we got a lot of money. We got a lot of money, and then we could get a we could get a free agent edge rusher. Uh, we could get we could we could sign an edge rusher or uh, draft an edge rusher too. Um, there's a lot of options. Like Bryce Huff is going to be available. He's a really, really good edge. He could be a number two across from Sweat. Um, there's there's a lot of options. There's a lot of options. It's, it's good. Hey, well, look, we're going to be bringing you a lot of content through this offseason. There's a lot going on. This is going to be fun, exciting. It only gets better from here. Seven and ten, that's the past. We're about to be a winning team. We're about to take this north, and we're headed for a championship. Are we are we ever gonna give it back? No, we shouldn't. No, we, we should not. No. We should not. I agree. I feel like we should have at least the next 10 to 15 years of whooping our I, men. I think we could do exactly that. Uh, I think I think I'm gonna get a molded cheese shirt, right? And just <laughs> burn it. That's what I feel. Just like. burn it. That's a waste. You might as well just light your money on fire. I'm gonna man. take somebody's Jordan Love jersey. Oh, 
on game day. Look, on game. Yeah, just snatch it off first. <laughs> you know, anybody in Chicago wearing it? That's what we gonna do. For real. All right. Well, I'm uncle. I'm nephew. I'm son. And we're, we're talking, talking bears. bears.